Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh, hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Save big money and start your spring project with help from Menards. We offer a huge selection of body plants, veggies, and herbs to plant at home and grow yourself. Right now, all four and a half inch Bonnie plants are on sale through May 5th. Head to the Menards Garden Center to get your garden growing and check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Hello and welcome to another episode of I Weigh with Jamila Jamil. I hope you are well. I am fine. I am still in lockdown. I don't care what is opening back up. I refuse to leave my house and I have somehow been lucky enough to find a way to do pretty much all of my work from within my four walls. I did have a friend over, however, this week, and I experienced my first bout of social anxiety in four months. I was very surprised because it's someone I know very well who I met at secondary school, so I was 11, and couldn't be more comfortable with, but she was coming over. I hadn't seen her in ages, months and months and months, and she was bringing a stranger over with her. Not a stranger to her, she just find someone random in the street, but someone I didn't know. And I had like a little panic before they turned up, which I wasn't prepared for. Suddenly just wondering, do I know how to engage with people for sustained periods of time? Because I haven't done all the Zoom quizzes and Zoom parties and Zoom weddings. I've, I'd rather skin myself, truly, uh, I, and then dip myself in vinegar. I, I, don't, I don't feel comfortable in social situations anyway never mind ones that involve tech and looking at uh, anything that could be near myself in a screen um or other people frankly i'm just not i'm not a techie guy so uh i was just very unprepared socially it went fine and great and i had a lovely time and so i just want to reassure anyone else out there who feels like there might be something wrong with them because they suddenly find themselves panicky or unconfident socially now that they're starting to re-enter quote-unquote normality don't worry it's happening to me too and it's happening to loads of other people we are human beings adapt very quickly to our environment so just like we adapted to lockdown we will adapt to re-entering society in whatever capacity is safe and and good and easy for our brains and speaking of brains today's episode is one that i love so much it is with irish stand-up comedian and podcast host Catherine bohart she has this brilliant show called you'll do which she hosts with her girlfriend where different couples come onto their podcast together and talk in depth about their relationship and it's funny and it's insightful and it's warm and it's really unlike anything else that you'll hear so definitely go and check that out but today Catherine and I spent the episode predominantly talking about mental health about OCD in particular OCD is something that I've struggled with and uh, many of the people that I love most in the world have really really suffered uh, through and I have not yet been able to find someone to publicly come and have this discussion with me and Catherine goes out of her way to make sure she is educating people around OCD and destigmatizing it by talking about it both in a funny way but also in a deeply empathetic way she has so much heart and she knows 
so much information and she's so unjudgmental in the way that she communicates it and careful in the way that she talks about this condition. And she's also incredibly hopeful. I mean, just her existence gives uh, me hope for the people that I love to see this woman thrive through what's a very, very tricky condition that not enough people know enough about or understand. And so this episode is for you if you are someone who struggles with OCD. And uh, I know that the pandemic in particular has definitely provoked more symptoms of OCD in a lot of people around the world, uh, be that around hygiene or thought. You know, I think generally people have been struggling with their mental health through everything that's been happening. So you aren't alone and there's nothing wrong with you. You're not abnormal for uh, struggling with a part of your anatomy, whether it's your brain or your body, it doesn't make a difference. And so I want that to be very clear. But I also think this episode is important for anyone who knows someone with OCD, who doesn't understand exactly how this condition works and what it feels like to live with it. And so hopefully it could help you better support the people that you love who might be going through this at the moment. So please enjoy the incredibly funny, the incredibly strong and wonderful Catherine Bohart. Catherine Bohart, welcome to IOA. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm all right. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. No one should care how the fuck I am. I am uh, I am comfortable and safe. Uh, more worried about everyone else. I mean, I don't know that one has to be mutually exclusive from the other. <laughs> no, you can true. you can you can worry about other people and other people can worry about you. Sure, if anything, I feel like a few more people should maybe occasionally think how you are. Um but uh <laughs> That's just, uh, I'll rant about men on the internet later. For now, hello. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I've, I've just come off a one hour news binge and it always makes me feel uh, very disorientated. Are you watching the news all the time at the moment or have you given yourself a break? I mean, I try not to be, but then I'm on Twitter all the time. So yes, basically. Um, but I do find like if you do it for too long, you get not just like disoriented, but sort of, it's either one of extremes for me. It's either I'm incredibly like disconnected from the world. Like it feels like a film mm. I've just watched and I have to remind myself it's the actual world or I feel too many feelings all at once and I can't really cope. Both of which I think are probably not that helpful. No. How has your quarantine been so far? You are living, I, ju- I just saw your girlfriend earlier. Yes, my teeny tiny lady. She uh, came... Yeah, because she is five years younger than me. So I had to come and show me how to do the podcast, internet, phone, computer stuff because <laughs> uh, I'm hopeless. Uh, but she, we are all right. We live in um, a flat in London and it is thankful that we do because we two months before this started, we moved out of a house share. And I'm very grateful that it's just the two of us. Yes. Oh, um, my word. Yeah, I feel like had it been, I think had we still been in a house share, I would be in jail. So I'm glad that's not the case. (laughs) But that's fucking intense. When you first take that step to no longer live with all these different buffers, even if they can create like combined sort of uh, mutual enemies for the two of you, that can be quite bonding to live with other people because you can bond over your hatred of other people. But also... Well, that's true. Yeah, but also to then finally take that leap. I presume this is the first time you two have ever lived alone together? Yeah, I mean, the buffers... 
Yeah, to be stuck in Castaway, essentially, together, where she is your Bull Wilson or you are her Bull Wilson. <laughs> She's the Bull. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing. <laughs> it's just like I feel like with you're right with buffers you can dilute the blame to a degree like now I know I know exactly whose fault what is but Mm -hmm. I equally think that we are relatively the thing is with your partner you can say I need you to get away from me now I will be alone in this room until I feel better you can't really say that to housemates you have to be like what a fascinating detail about your life Please tell me more because that is the mannerly British thing to do. You do a show. You have a show that is about people's relationships where they tell you deeply personal things, right? Yeah, we do. We have a podcast called You'll Do. And it's basically because we were incredibly frustrated by the overwhelming amount of hashtag couples goals, perfect depictions of love that you see either on social media or in film a lot of the time you get to the end of the movie and everyone's in love but you never see any of the actual like day-to-day boredom or frustration Mm -hmm. Um, or shit sex or oh my gosh exactly like Sarah and I adore each other but we also hate at least 10 things about one another like and that those can coexist and those are true of people who have lasting relationships so we wanted to talk about that um truthfully and thankfully people have been incredibly honest which is uh, it makes for a great podcast I find it startling when people can be that honest about their relationships publicly. I love it, but it freaks me out. I think it's largely comics, so they're used to just saying everything they think out loud for money. Um, But I also think that um, that's kind of the point of it is to say that like, because I think the opposite where everyone depicts their relationship as ideal is so nauseating and also so frustrating Mm -hmm. because you're like, does nobody else go for two months without having sex? Does nobody else argue like every day about the same thing, but never think about leaving? Does like there's, has no one else considered leaving their partner in Ikea? Like what is, (laughs) like, would we be happier if we had two loos? Like, just like, I don't know how people are not thinking this all the time. Um, So it's, it's actually been quite refreshing to get it off our chest. I wanted to talk to you today because this is a mental health podcast and you have been very open about your own journey with mental health and and there are things that you are currently going through that not everyone is willing to talk about openly and I wondered if you would come here and do that with me. I'd love to, I will. I am I feel like for such an awful I mean it's so it's been said a million times but we have spent so long as a a group of people, I think, not talking about our mental health and it has not done us any good. So I figure we no. should go, let's go the other way for a while and give it a shot, will we? Exactly. So tell me exactly what it is that has been your biggest struggle with your mental health throughout your life. Um. So I, eight years ago, I was diagnosed with uh, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, um, mm-hmm. if a specific type of that because there are multiple types. Um, mine specifically was a consistent obsession with perfection and order. So that type of OCD is called perfectionism, which I appreciate sounds like a white lady answering an interview like, oh, me <laughs> just but it is actually a thing. <laughs> A lot of people hear the words OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, and they think only of cleanliness because that's the only way that it's ever been portrayed. If portrayed at all, it's uh, obsessive cleaning and, you know, or maybe we see people counting a lot, you know, like or trying not to step on the cracks of the pavement. Uh, We always see just kind of one side of physical OCD. I don't know that people always understand uh, psychological OCD. 
yep, and, I, a, and sort of thought OCD. I, would you explain a little bit about what those thoughts and feelings kind of were? Absolutely. But I would also say that mine had both. So um, right. some people have intrusive thoughts where they cannot... Um, push away thoughts that they otherwise would not wish to have. So like an obvious example of this is sexual thoughts, but it can be obsessions around um, God or fears. And those can have stemmed from completely, they can seem illogical, but they feel tremendously real. If you have um, something like checking where you have to check is another type of OCD where you have to check the door is locked, say, 50, 100 times, check to turn off the oven, check that the lights have been done, maybe, or counting where things have to be done in numerical sequences, all of which sound like, oh, what's the big deal? But then if you have to do those things and cannot eat, sleep, leave your house without having done them, and if there's no real point of end that's ever enough for your OCD brain, then those all become debilitating. In mm-hmm. in relation to so those are, I guess, our compulsions. But in relation to my OCD, it was an inability to think about anything other than the disorder, i.e. things not being exactly where I placed them or being um, more less actually about obsessive cleanliness and more obs- mm-hmm. uh, about obsessive tidiness in, in a weird way. Um, and so it was about constantly going over my space to make sure things were as I were and also being tremendously, uh, as I had placed them, but also being tremendously emotionally affected if they weren't. So how the fuck did you survive a flat share? <laughs> well, t- listen, the, the flat share came after the diagnosis. But, right, okay. But I would say not well is the answer. But yeah, so basically it got to a place where I couldn't really function. And then I was diagnosed. Well, actually, so I knew that I was definitely, de- I thought I was depressed. I specifically, though, had developed, because my because OCD is a shapeshifter, right? So the second you get a handle on it in some way, it will start to behave in, like, get you to behave in different ways so that it can, it like, it, it can it can change a little bit is what I'm saying. So you might be obsessed about your bedroom, but then if you have a bigger house, it might be your fridge. Or if you, in my case, uh, a fun addition was obsessing over my food. Um and specifically about trying to have a perfectly symmetrical body, which I understood not knowing what OCD was and what was going on with me as an eating disorder. Um, and, and I think with eating disorders, occasionally, or indeed all mental health issues, you can occasionally have what I guess I would describe as like above water moments. So like you can be so in it, but then it's not like you don't know what's wrong. It's just that you care more about doing the thing that you want. Yeah. yeah. So occasionally you have like above water moments where I, there was, I have such a visceral memory of going home one weekend and I knew I kind of had an hour to tell my mom what was going on or I wouldn't. Um, like if I didn't ask, I had to ask for help then or it could be six more months before I would allow myself to. So I told her that I wasn't really eating and that I thought that it was um, an eating disorder. And my mom, thankfully, it takes mental health very seriously and was worried about me anyway. So got me to a psychologist and he was very quick to be like, this is a, a symptom rather than the 
than just an eating disorder. Of course. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. So thank you for the word. Yes. And so um, and so then I was assessed by a few other people. And then I was very lucky because one, I had parents who take mental health seriously. Two, they had health insurance, uh, which even in, in Ireland was the difference between, um, you know, consistent long-term treatment and sporadic or delayed treatment. So I was then in a hospital program in Ireland for four months and I've had medication and therapy. And, you know, I really had to admit it in the last two weeks. I was like, man, therapy's really worked. Because eight years ago, this entire situation, the pandemic would have floored me. And I'm actually proud of myself for doing well. No, I'm really proud of you. I know that this moment is incredibly triggering to people with OCD. I have a lot of friends with OCD and they have, uh, in particular, the ones who have the germaphobe type of obsessive compulsive disorder. This is, this is such a triggering time for them. And their hands are just even, I mean, everyone's hands are red raw, but right now they are just, it's, they can't sleep. They can't eat. They're too afraid to move. It's horrific. It's such a triggering moment and no one can really uh, easily access any mental health care. Do you have any advice for those people? That is very true. Um, well, I guess I can only speak to the UK, but OCD Action, Action OCD, OCD Action is a brilliant website that has an awful lot of, um, a lot of services, access to services, but also an awful lot of information that I find really helpful. Also, if you're lucky enough to be able, if you're lucky enough to be able to afford, um, therapy then you can access it online in a lot of places now what kind of Uh, what kind of therapy works for OCD because I know that this has been a huge struggle for loads of people to find the right therapy and and there are all kinds of different ones some people I know have tried uh almost in a way giving very um mild and medically supervised electric shocks to their brain Uh, oh my gosh that's a type of treatment that you can have OCD some people have tried CBT cognitive behavioral therapy what worked for you because it's a really fucking slippery bugger to catch it is it's really like I say it's a shapeshifter and it's so it's I had I had a real like watershed moment in so first of all I was very lucky I had very intense treatment and also multiple forms of um, approach within that. So when I initially was treated with in hospital, you would start the day with group therapy and then you would have one-on-one cognitive th- behavioral therapy. And then in the afternoons, they would occasionally do this thing, which is uh, dubious, I think, in terms of people's perspectives on it. Um, it did not particularly work for me. I found CBT to be so helpful for me. But um, what was the afternoon therapy? Can the you talk about it? afternoon therapy is, yeah, it's called flooding. Where what? Um, flooding, don't worry, there was no waterboarding. It <laughs> is more that, don't worry. Um, it is that, that where you do the thing, like in an extreme sense of which you are afraid. Is so, this like aversion therapy where they make people who have hygiene issues like lick a toilet bowl? Or, exactly. Oh my God. Exactly. Exactly. And so it what is, kind of things would they do? Or does that trigger you to bring that up? Oh, no, no, no. It's okay. But say like it would be if people are scared of public transport, it's going on public transport. Mm-hmm. If you're scared of touching other people, it's everyone queuing up in a line to hug you. It's traumatic and it's not very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's not very 
doesn't have any stages of progression. It's very aggressive and it's very, um, I find it, it was very confronting and I didn't particularly find it helpful. I think CBT is really good. I also had a particularly good um, group therapy, a psychologist who ran group therapy who said something that for me, at least, was a real turning point with my OCD, which was that it's a liar. And I don't know why, but I'd never heard that. And it, I needed to hear it. Like I need it. It isn't on your side. And it's like having a manipulative partner or a, it's just a lot. Like it's always about doing the compulsions. It's never for you. So once you, like once you realize that, and I don't know why, but for me, that was a really simple thing, but thinking about it that way suddenly mm-hmm. meant I knew how to take it on as well because I was like okay cool I just need to call the bullshit that's I'm good at that in other aspects of my life. Matt Haig who's a, an activist and writer that I love so much who talks about mental health uh, also describes depression as fake news which mm. is uh, which is something that I love so much as an expression that yeah. it's just lying to you about yourself and what uh, hopes and expectations you can have for your life. Um, I had that aversion therapy once. Uh, I uh, not for OCD. I have a like a crippling phobia of bees and wasps. Oh my like, gosh. It's just like to the point where most summers I wouldn't go outside uh, <sighs> at all. I wouldn't leave the house for the whole summer. So school holidays, I would just stay indoors, close every window. And you know, we don't have any air conditioning or anything in London. So I just sit there oh, yeah, with, no, like a little, with a shitty little Argos fan, uh, no! just just not, not feeling any breeze on my face. As soon as I would know that we were kind of entering a moment where there would be lots of bees and wasps around, I didn't go near a bush throughout my uh, teens. That's not just, I, I don't mean, uh, it's not a euphemism. <laughs> it's not a euphemism. I was um, like, my many commiserations. <laughs> I actually didn't get to go near a bush either, uh, male or female or non-binary. I, uh, oh, I'm so I, sorry. I, I was 21 before I got near any kind of, any, any kind of pubes whatsoever, um, but um, <laughs> <laughs> that weren't my own. <laughs> but I uh, couldn't go near any kind of flowers. I wouldn't hold flowers. I wouldn't wear bright colours. I uh, wouldn't wear anything that had a flower on it. I, I was, I wouldn't eat outdoors because I was afraid that food would draw a, a tr- would attract uh, some sort of a bee. And oh my uh, so I have like a long running. And now there's like all these internet jokes about me and bees, and people think that I lie about being chased by bees. But I um, went to try and get uh, therapy for this phobia of bees because it was becoming insane. Like I wasn't. I was now old enough to have a job, and I couldn't. I couldn't just not leave the house for an entire yeah. summer but otherwise I wouldn't make rent so I uh, went and they put me in a park in a bush like n- near a bush near a bush because there were loads of bees all around oh my god did it work no it made me so much more traumatized yeah, by fucking bees because I hadn't <laughs> been that close it was too much I've always thought that was a that was a fucking I understand the idea behind it but I think it's barbaric it is. And there's also like, it just, the it's so much, I just don't understand why it wouldn't be incremental. Like, obviously that's going to be horrific. Obviously that's going to be traumatizing. Oh. And, and also maybe it works for like whatever percentage of people, but for the others, surely it just leaves you so much worse off than you were to begin with. I'm very yeah. sorry. No, and it was awful. Were I'm you, glad you, you can go outside now. I can go outside now. Yeah. That came more from just sort of, I think, Cognitive behavioural therapy helped somewhat, but also it was just allowing myself to know that 
there isn't always a speedy approach. In fact, there is rarely a speedy approach to dealing with an issue. And I still have a phobia of bees and wasps. I'm still incredibly afraid of them. I think maybe it's because of my girl. I think that film just fucked me up. That is, I really, oh my gosh. That, I I'm genuinely so think it fucked me up. That is, as soon as you said it, I was like, oh my God, of course. Of course that's it. Of course that's it. And I watched it. that film so many times and I'm sure that that is the birth of my obsession, like obsessive fear of bees and wasps. Yeah. Also, all of our bisexuality. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Because yeah. which, so which, which of them were we in love with? Exactly. For, uh, just, exactly. Uh, I, com- <laughs> I, I completely agree with that. <laughs> You've revolutionalized my journey. See? There um, we go. But it's okay to take these things in steps and within your own comfort zone. Um, I want to ask you about cognitive behavioral therapy and exactly what it is, because a lot of people out there don't know and should know about it. Um, but I'll ask you about it right after this. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now listen, we all carry around different stresses, big, small, medium size, and a lot of us keep them bottled up because sometimes we just have to. But doing that all of the time can really, really start to negatively impact your life. And I say that from experience. I'm British. We are told to never say how we're feeling about anything ever. And uh, that's why so many of us are so sad. Now, a way that I was able to remedy that was by having therapy, which was super helpful for me, not only because it's amazing to get things off your chest, but also all week you know as you're bottling things up because it's not always the time or place to say exactly how you feel you know you're going to get that hour where you're able to get everything off your chest and say it exactly as you want to and this therapist isn't going to take it personally and they're not going to hold it against you or throw it back in your face during an argument over dinner next week you just have this complete freedom honestly I think everyone should have therapy regardless of whether they think they need it because it's so amazing to have a confidant it's a journal that talks back to you and helps you with all of your problems. I think therapy is just a safe space to get everything off your chest to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, then maybe you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can switch therapists if you don't like them anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash iWay today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iWay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Start clean with Clorox. Because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well... Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. And we're back. Okay, so cognitive behavioral therapy. Would you please tell me what exactly it is? 
I will explain it to you as the layman that I am, which Please. is to say, not a therapist or a psychologist. So let me just flag that. I don't know if anyone gathered <laughs> that you. from the Thank answer. you for the disclaimer. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, I'm not. But Doctor, here, Dr. Catherine Bohart. <laughs> I bloody wish I could still make some money. It'd be amazing. I am. Um, here's the thing. It, to my mind, uh, it is less of a talking therapy and more of a doing which is to say that you analyze the ways in which you think about things and um, that might stop you from doing them or might cause you to do them. Mm-hmm. And instead of necessarily starting by changing the thought, you start by changing the behavior and that changes the thought. For example, it's particularly effective with OCD because my brain would say, um, if you don't clean the house 12 times or just repeatedly on, except for when you're asleep, um, you're a failure, failure, you're, you can't function, you're worthless, you won't be able to think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I, if I tried to think through that, I could talk my way around that, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. that was the problem. I'm articulate enough to be able to actually make the case for that level of irrational behavior. But Well, you're also a woman, so therefore we are trained from birth to be able to justify terrible thoughts about ourselves. Better believe it. And so... Um, the better thing in that case to do is not to clean and see if it's true. Mm-hmm. You challenge the thought by not doing it. And if the world doesn't fall apart and it won't, because that's not how it works, then some that that casts doubt on the credibility of your OCD. And right? that's the kind of aversion therapy that worked for me. It was just yes. baby steps. Baby steps of like, let's, I'm now so uncomfortable in living the way that I live that I'm actually willing to risk the worst case scenario by just trying bit by bit these different steps to, you know, just being able to carry on a a life that is less stressful. Um, It is that, isn't it? It's that kind of moment of like, I'm so desperate to be, to be rid of this controlling force that I'm now willing to try anything. That's actually exactly right. I don't think I would have gotten better had I been diagnosed. Maybe I, I, I don't believe I would have gotten better in the way that I did as 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 quickly. I mean, it took years, but mm-hmm. but as quickly as I did, had I necessarily been diagnosed earlier. But I got to a place where I couldn't eat, I couldn't cope, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I I just was so miserable that that the thought of yeah like you say risking it wasn't as scary anymore because Mm -hmm. life life had sort of stalled to a halt and it was like well what am I even doing I I definitely do not endorse crashing and burning but it is the way that a lot of people that I found like that is often when people tend to be the most likely to get help it is always I, I coasted for such a long time as a very, very, very mentally ill person. And it wasn't until I completely just destroyed everything in my life and had no real reason to live that suddenly there was a bravery to me that I'd never seen before where it was like, I'll just chuck it in the fuck it bucket. So let's get back to you. So cognitive behavioral therapy, you found that very effective. Yes, I did. And I still do. And I also can't, and I'm not going to understate it for anybody. I also would say that it's not for everybody, but for me, medication helps and it has always helped and will continue to help. And it is likely something that I will be on for all of my life. And I used to be so embarrassed about that because you say Mm. that and people have immediate opinions. Oh, but surely if you were well, you wouldn't need to be, which is a bit like saying, surely you could take out your like 
Cholesterol medicine. Yes, exactly. Or just like, oh, you have a pain in your arm? Surely you can take that out now. Like, it's like, no, no, that's actually really maintaining the stability of the arm. And I would say similarly, it is maintaining the stability of me. And I I used to be so ashamed of it. Also, like... uh, very fearful of it being my long-term state. And now I'm like, oh, I will speak exclusively to doctors about this and I will continue to get their ongoing input. But that is all, that they're the only people whose opinions I have any, um, give any weight to anymore, which is such a refreshing thing because most of the people who have opinions about um, medication about that either are not qualified to do so or don't know me or um, most often I think, have never tried it themselves and have that as some sort of character, like, like, I suppose, um, statement. So it's like, I, it's as though medication is indicative of weakness. And I just, I feel like I finally let go of that and I'm okay with it. And it really helps me. And it, like I say, isn't for everyone. And it takes a long time to find the right one. I would say Mm -hmm. I was definitely on the wrong medication to begin with. Um, and now uh, I'm very glad that I found it and I don't ever wish to give it up. Thank you very much. I mean, unless no, I'm recommended I think to do so. that's great. I wish that we would have more people talk openly about being on medication. How does OCD medication work? Because I'm, I'm just curious because I've never yeah. tried it. So uh, inherent, like uh, it's obviously dependent on each individual. And But in my particular case, I'm on SSRIs. So anti-anxiety, anti-depression medication. Initially, I was on much heavier anti-depression because um, when I was diagnosed I was in my worst possible state and the OCD had made me uh, clinically depressed and so for me I don't I mean I don't know this I, I don't know that I should speak to the science of it but for me it's like having it's like I'd used up all of my energy coping like I just ran out of steam and it was like having my batteries charged not fully but some of the way so that I could hear myself again like I could hear myself think. And I had Mm. also doing the kind of work it takes to get over a mental illness and, and you can do it, but people don't talk about the fact that doing it is exhausting and it's confronting. And it's often means like bringing up trauma or, um, just doing the work. Like it's, it's not like it's a constant work. As well. Yeah. If you think about it like physiotherapy, it's that kind of that, like you just have to keep working the muscles to learn to show yourself empathy, to learn to confront things that are difficult, to do things that are scary, to yeah. um to to change the messaging in your brain. And so it was just like having a little bit more energy and a little bit more calm in the storm to be able to hear myself to work through that mm-hmm. and and yeah I guess I'm, I, I only realized I'm very much over apologizing for taking it and it really helps me no I don't I don't think you're apolo- over apolo- I mean I personally don't perceive it as apology just for whatever that's worth I just think you're reasoning to other people why you know and also there are, we only hear the stories of the bad side effects of medication not knowing that there are hundreds or thousands maybe even of different types of medications mm-hmm. which work differently on different people there are always alternatives yes. that you can find we hear about weight gain which terrifies in particular women or we hear about uh impotence potentially or you know just like a lower sex drive yes those yes. things can happen but a sometimes it's okay I mean, uh-huh. it's always okay to fucking gain weight and have a lower sex drive. It's constantly okay to do that. Um, uh-huh. But I'm just saying that that sometimes, first of all, even if a medication that is right for you does cause those things, that's okay because we're dealing with your long-term survival 
And if yeah. that's what gets you through this moment, then that's what you need to do. It's a bit like um, in the same way with health. I uh, I suffer from asthma. So sometimes I have to go on steroids for a, lo- for a very long period of time. The last time I was on a serious course of steroids, I gained 75 pounds. That's five stone. Yeah. That was like eight years ago, I think. And it was, it was the choice between, okay, well, either you will um, gain weight and be able to breathe or not gain weight and not be able to breathe. What would you like to choose? There's a very clear cut answer for me. And so it's the same with any kind of mental health medication, in my opinion. Yes, I completely agree. And also I feel like, I mean, first of all, my, obviously my mental health had meant that I wasn't really eating. So I couldn't, I can't necessarily tell you whether or not I gained weight because I was, I'd sorted through a lot and I can eat now, or if it's because of if there's an ed- added element of having gained some because of my medication, but I realized probably about in the last two years, because I was so afraid, so afraid for my entire teenage years and early twenties of gaining weight. Yeah. Some, some part of my brain still is, but was mm-hmm. petrified of it um, because I would be a failure when weirdly I've never been more successful than when I started eating. Mm-hmm. Well, cause you've got fucking energy. You've got brain food. Yeah. You have nutrients. Yeah. You're probably yeah. sleeping better. Uh, yep. And also, funnily enough, when I do my job, people aren't like, if I'm funny, I'm funny. No one's like, but like, what, but what exactly are the size of her jeans? You, like, just like, just to clarify, what did she have for lunch? People are just yeah. like, oh, cool, she's funny. I am, um, I, but my point anyway, just being that don't listen to all of the bad press about yes. medication. Don't listen to all of the the worst case scenarios. There are plenty of people who are on medication for their entire lives that don't feel tremendous side effects other than ones of tremendous relief and, and yes. <laughs> solace. And so I, I urge anyone out there who's wrestling with that idea, please, please, please consider and be open to trying them. Um, I tried medication for the first time in February this year after a particularly bad month. And it was for anxiety because my, um, my anxiety gets very very out of control sometimes and it just it felt like stepping out of a uh, nightclub at 3am you know where (laughs) it's only then in the peace of the quiet street that you realize how loud it was in the club that is such a good description do you know where it came from how old are you when it started to really show signs I mean as early as I can remember like my earliest right my earliest memories are like cousins coming to stay and I had to give up my bedroom and I took a pencil and drew a pencil line around every single thing in and out of cupboards so that I would know if they moved anything. I have like very strong emotional memories of my dad occasionally making my bed or opening my curtains, you know, in a nice fatherly, generous way and me losing all control over my emotions because I did them in a certain way and no one else was to do them. And I was a like a little child. So I think it was early. Yeah, I think I was probably about a teenager when I've only ever had one obsessive compulsive habit. I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily someone who has OCD, uh, but I definitely have struggled with uh, for about seven years. I had to eat around the outside of everything. I could never eat the middle of anything. Otherwise, I thought something terrible was going to happen to me. 
Um, and so I could only eat the outside and I could also only take food apart and then eat it separately. So I would buy food that was bonded rather than just buying food separately that then I could yeah. eat separately. I would buy food that was bonded and would spend entire hours, entire evenings. This is like when I was on T4, like on television, spending my days with like A-list celebrities and DJing at parties and putting my fucking peace sign up as if I'm oh in the God. 70s. Why did I do that? There are so many embarrassing pictures of me with a fucking peace sign up. And as if I'm like just come back from the Vietnam fucking war, like an asshole. I don't know what well, I was doing. I was such a dick. Um, and I would, yeah, and I was like, you know, just and I was, you know, on magazine covers and doing all this shit. I'm going home and buying like packets of Maltesers, which are just sort of malt balls wrapped in chocolate, and just They're spending great. the entire night separating no. the chocolate, like peeling off the chocolate um, until it was completely off, and then eating the malt balls. Uh, sorry, and then putting the malt balls in a separate bowl and the chocolate in a separate bowl, and I could never eat them as one and then I would only <gasps> eat the chocolate I would I'd just buy a fucking chocolate bar but I couldn't do yes. it I would buy a hundred blueberry muffins and just eat the blueberry from out of it I could never eat the muffin or I would um eat once uh I was bought for my birthday like I think it's maybe my 20th birthday or 21st birthday I was bought like about 50 amazing mini cakes because I love mini cakes <gasps> and I think it was my dad who lifted the box one day in the fridge and realised I'd eaten the outside of every single one of the cakes. No, you're missing out. You were missing I out. Know. Now I know. Now I almost exclusively eat the middle. But I... Uh, okay, great. But it took... Great. But it, was, it was many, many years of just so thinking that if I ate the middle of anything, I would be very, very fat the next day. And this is the thing. It's like, it's hard to explain to people who don't understand it, but it is. it is the most justifiable irrational thought so like for for the person with the fear it's like it's such a real fear oh it you is, don't think feels, you have a choice no exactly it is yeah. so it is so coercive and so all-consuming and so so terrifying that really petrified that um, I can't, I don't know how to articulate that to people who haven't felt it, but it is a surety that whatever irrational thing you've decided will occur. And, and to do, and to take that risk that like, that your family might die. It's just, it's, yeah, it's petrifying, but I'd it can be that you, you need never eat raspberries lest you want your family to disappear. The other thing that people don't know is that it, OCD is, is often interwoven with other conditions. Yes. So for example, mine was interwoven in that moment. My, I wouldn't say my OCD, but my obsessive compulsive uh, pattern was interwoven with my eating disorder. So therefore I just thought it was my eating disorder. In, in certain ways, so was yours. Yes, the, the, one, the part that wasn't about tidying was about your body. It was about, uh, you know, body fat and, and symmetry. And so oh, I and think self-loathing, that 100%. Which is why these conversations are important, which is why you're such a legend for coming on and talking about it so personally. <laughs> Thanks for having me. We're going to go to another break. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because I had a charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. 
The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Okay, so I was wondering if we can now change gears because I've I've rinsed you dry of OCD. Not something I thought you'd say today, but okay. All right, I'm changing gears. Also, you can't rinse someone dry. I'm going to say that again. You said it. I like it. No, commit to it. Come on. This is like Twitter. Just commit. You've rinsed me dry. My my boyfriend makes fun of me all the time because of my malapropism obsession. I just can't. I'm always guilty of fucking up. I think I used to say I kick a... I don't kick a gift horse in the mouth. And I said that, <laughs> like, why the fuck would you ever kick a horse in the mouth? It's don't look a gift horse in the mouth is the expression. Yep, yep. I thought I well. thought it was, I thought it was don't kick a gift horse in the mouth. And, uh, and I said this for at least the last decade and no one's ever corrected me because I've been famous. So they've just let me, <laughs> they've just let me say all of this dumb shit that I've never learned from. And they've what nodded. a metric for your fame. No one tells me when I'm wrong. I'm so famous. What a great way to measure it. I'm not even Fuck. that famous. If you're just at all, if you are at all successful in this business. How dare you? T4 no is one. peak. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> me with my little peace sign. So I want to talk to you a little bit about your sexuality. Uh, you are living with a woman and you describe yourself uh, as bisexual and your story about coming out to your parents made me laugh very much. <laughs> and I wonder if you would tell it to our audience right now. I'd love to. I mean, oh, I was so anxious to come out to my mother. Yeah. So anxious. I come from a very, very Catholic family. My dad's a Catholic deacon. So they are religious, but also like liberal, left-leaning, socialist, like socialist of mind. And that's like their view on religion is that it's a way of like redistributing wealth. But um, I was petrified and I worked up to it for so long. And I told my mom and uh, she was like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, me too. And I, I was like, I'm sorry, did you hear the words that I said before you said that? Because I said that I'm, I like, I, I'm attracted to men and women. I'm bi. And my mom was like, I mean, please, who isn't? And I was like, I, lots of, lots of people are not, or not, <laughs> would not say that. I'm sorry, what, are, are you bi? And she was like, oh, I don't. Look, I, look, I'm not going to leave your father, right? I wouldn't leave him for a woman. It's just that were he to die, then, then of course I'd be with a woman. And I was now it had gone from me coming out to be like thinking about my dad dying yeah. and my mom hitting at the women on the women at the funeral. I was like, how has this become about you and dad dying? <laughs> and what is going on? And are you by? Here's what I would say is the um, <laughs> she definitely stole my thunder. Uh, but I'd say my mom wouldn't identify as bi. But equally, every time I bring home a short haired lesbian, she really gets her flirt on. So, you know. <laughs> Okay. Um that I mean that's that's one of the better coming out stories I've ever heard. As in yeah, more no, peaceful. It, to be fair. Peaceful and accepting if, and and someone jumping right in with you. Yeah, no, if anything too keen. I thought ah. she could have been a little bit disapproving, you know what I mean? Just to, just give me a moment so I had something to push against, ah. but instead, no. <laughs> So um, so but rude. you came out at a time where where you were living gay marriage and you know abortion rights etc were still illegal 
So, yeah, so this, was a, this was not a time that was like the most empowering for women or people who are on the LGBTQ journey. No, I mean, I make light of it, but it was, first of all, I mean, more difficult for my dad and a longer process for my mom and dad than I am like really letting on to process what I told them. But also, yeah, I came out when gay marriage wasn't legal and adoption was not legal and Mm -hmm. so 12 years ago in Ireland and to be honest the most common thing that I was told when I said I was bi and and had I had the language but that the language did not exist then I'd have probably said pan insofar as bi now feels binary in the sense that it feels like you're attracted to men and women as opposed to all types of people um I figured that out during during a times interview during an interview with the times So, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and she published every single, I guess, I think that I said, and then that became, I guess, I fancy everyone. Uh, and that became uh. the pull out quote. Like it was a very long kind of description I gave as I was starting to work this out live. And because I don't have a filter, I didn't have the, the correct thought, which would have been shut the fuck up. Don't answer the question. Move on. Yeah. You don't have to answer the question. But I, this idiot inside of me was just felt way too safe and started talking about it. And I was like, I guess I'm, and I was like, well, I'd say I'm, I'm bisexual. But then as I started to say that, I was like, but actually there are plenty of people that I've been incredibly attracted to or had feelings for that were not on the binary. They didn't exist within the binary or they were trans, like, or they were people who existed outside of the cishet. And so unfortunately for me, I worked that out real time live on Skype with a Times reporter. Oh, we've all, I mean, I don't think as many people, nearly as many people will have read the interviews I did that in, but there were many where I've been asked questions where I should have just gone, that's an abhorrent question. I won't be answering that. I know, I was asked to define what is queer and I just, and what my, what my, how I would identify as queer and I just, I fucked it up and then the headline became, I guess I'm, as if I'm one of those girls who's like, can I kiss I, kiss, I would kiss a girl. Um, it wasn't, it no longer, you know what I mean? Those just awful interviews. It's like, yeah, I can play. Yeah. I, I yeah. fancy everyone. Like it was part of a bigger dialogue in which I was explaining oh. that I'm attracted to people outside of the binary of oh bisexuality. And so it's if so that's, hard. And, but I mean, yeah, I, the headlines are brutal about that conversation oh, where I look I'm like sure. a fucking turd of a human being. <laughs> but, but we all know, but everybody else gets to discover those things in private. And so I think like, had you replayed some of the things I said when I was 18, 19, 20, tw- trying to discern what language to use and how to explain myself to people, Ugh. I would also be cancelled. Uh, what I would say though, is <laughs> I didn't have queer and pan at my disposal. So right. by was it. But the thing that I was going to say is when I came out, the most frequent thing I was told, the most common response I got was, no, you're not. Ugh, so much crazy biphobia and the way that it's Mm -hmm. looked at as greed or a lack of decisiveness. Yeah, no, you're not. Nope, no, you're not. And that came from both sides as well. Like I had... I would come out to friends and they'd be like, no, you're not. As if I'd said it for attention or as though my hair itself should be reason enough for me to know that couldn't possibly be true. What, because it's long? (laughs) Yeah. Or, Or I would say it to female partners and they'd be like, no, you're not. Because... I'd shown some level of enthusiasm for the sex we were having. And I was like, no, no, I, I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, yeah. I am. But it's also, the other thing people will do is react like it's a survey. Oh, not for me. Oh, I couldn't. Maybe I could kiss a woman, but I couldn't, not, not the bottom half. And you go like, oh no, I wasn't, 
this isn't a census and you and if it were that would be an inappropriate one but you don't you don't have to be I, I am and it's weird how people feel a need to they have to comment they can't just receive the information yeah. when you say you're queer which is I think like coming out repeatedly is a part of being a queer person but it wouldn't be so bad if you could just go oh I'm queer and people go cool but yeah it's the fact that you're like oh and here we go yeah, I oh god, I so I so feel you. I didn't say anything to anyone until like a year ago. I was thirty three mm-hmm. when I first started to tell my all of my friends. I didn't even tell any of the women that I was in love with that I was in love with them at the time. Really, I've told one of them now that I was in love with them many 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 years oh, ago. Oh, that would be so annoying. I would be absolutely livid. <laughs> if, I would be so annoyed if you were like, FYI, Catherine. Four years ago, I was in love with you. I'd be like, I hate you. How dare you? How dare you? I'd it also so brings angry. the thought of why did you stop being in love with me? Yeah. So it's like it's never it's never a great bit of information to deliver. But, but I was afraid of the conversations, and again, we didn't have anyone talking about it, and it was yeah. so fucking ridiculed, and yeah. being and and it and also it felt. For the last 10 years, it it made me afraid that I looked like I was jumping on a trendy bandwagon. So that made me even more afraid of saying it. Which Especially is so because I engage within like activism spaces. It's like, oh, fuck off. Okay, brown woman, also queer, had a disability when you were younger. Like, stop ticking all the boxes. But it's that just... narrative comes from the presumption that it makes your life easier to be those things, which yep. is such nonsense, yeah. right? It constru- it's construed in favour of, like, the narrative where me- white men are being attacked at the moment, which statistically does not bear out, so can jog on. But I think also, weirdly, when you come out as a bi woman, people are like, Especially like I came out and I'd only been with boys. So people were like, prove it. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't have to. I don't have to. If I had never had sex with a woman, I would still be bi if I tell you I'm bi. The end of conversation. Well, it's like saying a virgin has no sexuality for anyone. Do you know what I mean? It's like it doesn't, it's it's the exact same concept. Some people find it hot because of porn. Uh, Some people uh, worry that bi people are going to cheat, which is so ridiculous just because there's a bigger pool of people that they are attracted to. Yeah, and also I cheat because I'm sometimes a bad person, not because I'm bi. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just clarify? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Thank you. (laughs) completely floored me I, um, I, yeah I, I think that that's it's so ridiculous like if you think I might cheat on you with a woman then you should also think I might cheat on you with a man like there's yeah. no there are seven billion people on this planet yeah and so you know it's just it's ridiculous to think that there is something inherently greedy or untrustworthy about someone who won't pick a side and so Absolutely. god help us with us pans <laughs> Out there. Oh my goodness. Monsters. It's never gonna... Nightmares. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is why monogamy is dead, Jamila. So, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> that and why the weather is so bad. So it's all very complicated well, and very, our fault. I, sorry, no, go on, finish your sentence. No, it wasn't important. Okay. <laughs> I just want to say I'm really happy that you have found a, a, a wonderful relationship and, and love and you can be so open and go on TV with your girlfriend, with it's your partner. Cool. And so I think that that's really fabulous and and it's been really wonderful to be able to watch your stuff together online and just Thank feel you. like so many, so many young... Do you get so many messages from young people saying they feel seen? 
I mean, Sarah gets a lot of messages because uh, Sarah looks like the quintessential, like, androgynous boy, which I think, like, baby gays absolutely adore. Right. Uh, I get more like, thank you for showing that we can wear lipstick and eat women out, which, like, <laughs> I think are meant well, but read more aggressively. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, it not, doesn't feel like the same level, the level of warmth. But no, we do. And and you know what? Also, we are, it's so not lost on us that we grew up and that was not there. Um, and that the only queer TV we watched was Sugar Rush and the L word, if I could manage to tape it at night and watch it when nobody else was in. So and it now- is not... Yeah, sorry, go on. Sorry, we're on a delay, so sometimes I cut over you. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I just, yeah, I'm. I, it's not lost on us that we get to be on TV openly talking about our lives and it's exciting. And that also, it's suddenly um, people want to hear about it because people have been starved of stories that are their own and it's exciting. And now we have Feel Good on Netflix. Oh my gosh, so exciting. Such a great story. Oh my God, such, such a, great a great show. Uh, it's by um, it's by Mae Martin, uh, a wonderful stand-up, com- um, a wonderful Canadian stand-up comedian. Uh, that felt like a tongue twister, really. Um, who is talking <laughs> about sure her own... I'm sure she wouldn't mind. <laughs> no, who's talking about her own life experiences and uh, her relationship with a woman who is only experiencing her first uh, gay relationship. And so that is uh, that is wonderful. It really is. And it's actually nuanced and a version of... Um, queer life for women. We haven't really seen much of it. It's great. Absolutely. Um, all right. Okay. So, Catherine, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me so openly about everything. Um, thank you for I having wonder me. If before you go, you would tell me, what do you weigh? What do I weigh? I guess I weigh uh, being funny. I think I'm a funny gal yeah. and I'm smart. And I think that I'm empathetic and I think I'm a good sister and daughter and I weigh, I make really good desserts. That is, that is, I need, yeah, that, that's, I think that's what I weigh. That's a how you sum yourself up on your deathbed? A great lemon meringue pie and not altogether unfunny. Oh, that's great. Fabulous. Um, well, you. it was a pleasure to get to talk to you today and uh, have yeah. have a safe and happy <laughs> quarantine. In you too. You too. Enjoy, enjoy the middle of cakes for as long as you can. Oh, I will. I will. I can't Good. believe it. It's so nice to be able to eat the inside of a pizza. Jesus Christ. Just the dry, <sighs> the dry burnt crust. That's all I Oh, I'm so pleased for you. Oh my gosh. Good. <laughs> Um, thank you for having me no this was really fun thanks thank you so much for listening to this podcast I just want to give an extra massive thank you to the people who helped me make this Sophia Jennings my producer and researcher Kimmy Lucas my producer Andrew Carson my editor James Blake my boyfriend who made the beautiful music for this show and now I'd like to leave you by passing the mic to a member of our community sharing their I way I weigh a strong female who's short animal loving and actress kind, a sister, a daughter, has OCD, moderate anxiety, funny, a singer, a feminist, silly, weird, friendly, unique, and I weigh me. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean, 
every time. Because messes happen. Because... Yeah. The charcoal mask, great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice, I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.